This morning, I'll be reading selected verses from the books of Genesis 37 and 50 and Luke 35. You can follow along on the screens or in your Bibles. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told, his, he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves out of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes out of his dreams. Moving on to chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done in saving many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Luke 6, 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, reward, then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning to all of you in here, and good morning to all of you at home. So glad that you are with us today, when I drove in from Snoqualmie, there was a little bit of fog, but nothing like this, and everything was dry. So I'm hoping this isn't moving my way uh, and that it keeps moving the other direction. Well, I have a question for you. Do you have siblings? If not, maybe you have a cousin or someone else in your life that you have felt that you have a rivalry with. Maybe you were even tempted to take revenge. Now, I have a brother and two sisters, and we are far apart in age that there really wasn't much competition between us or rivalry. However, as I was thinking about this today, uh, last couple days, I thought of two instances that I could share with you that exemplify these categories of rivalry and revenge. First, I remember as a little girl, uh, my dad, it's always the parents' fault, isn't it? Called my older sister, Princess. 
and he called me Pumpkin. What little girl wants to be called Pumpkin? I wanted to be called Princess. And so this did start some kind of a rivalry, at least in my mind, with my older sister. Well, here's my revenge story, and it takes the form of Tabasco sauce. There was some pizza left in the refrigerator, and my younger sister and cousin had called it. Don't know why this happened. Obviously, it was so long ago. I don't remember the details, but for some reason, they had dibs on this pizza, and my brother and I really wanted this pizza. So my brother came up with a plan. I went along with it, but I didn't come up with a plan to put Tabasco sauce all over this pizza because we wanted to sit back and watch them have what we wanted. We didn't want them to enjoy what we couldn't have, and they were very startled when they took that first bite of pizza. Sorry, Carol and Laura. Anyway, that was a little bit of revenge. And I would guess that we all have some stories, hopefully not as drastic as Joseph and his brothers, with an experience of rivalry and revenge. This family would have been so amazing to be on a reality TV show, don't you think? But before we dive into our message today, I would invite you to pray with me, please. Lord, we are grateful for your word that tells of your story of redemption, reconciliation, and forgiveness. And as we hear about Joseph and his family, help us to identify where we fit in this story. Open our minds and our hearts to hear from your Holy Spirit today, Lord. May we leave changed. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, we are in the third week of our series, God's Story. And last week, we looked at Abraham and the promise that God made to him to give him more descendants that he could count stars in the sky, even though he was old and childless at the time. It seemed impossible. And today, our story, or God's story, is about one of those descendants, Joseph. So clearly, God kept his promise. And I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was a bit overwhelmed by all of the different angles you could really take on this story, trying to figure out which one was I going to zero in on. Every commentator I read had a different take. It's a complicated story, don't you think? But the way I narrowed it down was to focus on the Luke scripture reading that uh, accompanies the Old Testament reading. If you notice each week, we have an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture that connect. Because you see, all of the stories in the Old Testament were the basis for the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, Jesus says. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because, I love this part, because he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So the emphasis of our story today is going to be love your enemies, don't hate them. And Joseph eventually did love his enemies, in, the case, in this case, his brothers. And we're going to unpack this verse in Luke a little bit later. There are many events in Joseph's story that we are not going to cover today, but here is a brief summary for you. Jacob, excuse me, Joseph is the son of Jacob and Rachel. And Rachel was Jacob's first love. Jacob's favoritism towards Joseph was shown by this famous 
uh, coat or robe of many colors that he gave to Joseph. And then Joseph reported having this dream to his brothers and that even the stars and the moon were going to bow down to him. And their jealousy grew into action. The brothers sold him into slavery to a traveling caravan of Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt and sold him to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Joseph ends up being Pharaoh's right-hand man, is responsible for rationing all the food supply during a famine. Joseph had quite a journey. Verse 4 says, When the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, Joseph must have known their feelings about him, so why, why would he share that dream with him about them bowing down to him? They asked, Do you intend to reign over us too? And it said they hated him all the more. Again, Joseph had to have known what their reaction would be. But you know what? Maybe he was paying them back for not being kind to him and for excluding him. Maybe he was the first one to pay back evil for evil. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, or opposite, repay evil with a blessing. You know, we tend to have this one-sided view of Joseph, and he wasn't always the sweet, innocent boy that we see. I can sympathize with the brothers in this instance. Joseph is kind of being a jerk. Like I said, it's complicated because we humans are complicated. Well, sometime later, Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers who are tending their flocks in the hill country. And in light of the circumstances of his brothers being jealous, I'm not sure this was such a great idea. But as soon as they see Joseph, they plan their revenge. And it was more than adding Tabasco sauce to his pizza. Verses 19 to 20 say, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say, that a ferocious animal devoured him. They plot to kill him, but the oldest brother, Reuben, talks them out of it, and instead, they take his coat, throw him down in a well, and then sell him to the passing merchant. Now, even though Joseph was being kind of a jerk, he certainly didn't deserve to get thrown into a well. In an essay that I read by Marilyn Robinson, the author of The Gilead, she says, fear dictates and indeed justifies much of our worst behavior. In Joseph's story, it is hatred stoked by the fear of being displaced in their father's affections that motivates them to act in this way. Most of us, however, do not allow our re negative emotional reactions to command our actions unfiltered by other considerations. It's interesting the power that fear has over us. That must be why God says over and over in Scripture, do not be afraid, do not fear, because he knows it will bring out the worst in us. Next time you have a desire, and we all do, to take revenge, stop and ask yourself, 
What are you afraid of? What is the fear that's coming in you? Maybe you excelled at something and someone else has come along and they're better at it than you. Maybe a coworker got that promotion that you know you deserved. It could be someone leaves you out or purposely hurts your feelings. The fear would be of not being liked, appreciated, and noticed. Understanding what's behind your fear will help you to not react to those negative emotions that you're feeling. Well, now we're going to jump ahead to the end of the story. After being a slave and thrown in prison for something he did not do, Joseph was released as a result of being able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. The dream in particular that was the last one foretold of seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. So Joseph was put in a position of authority at this point, and he wisely stored up for the coming famine. I kinda can relate to this. I'm not typically someone who stores up or stocks up on a lot of supplies, but I gotta say, since last spring when COVID hit and many staples were not available, I have been buying more than I need to be ready if it happens again. I have 15 pounds of butter in my freezer, 15 pounds of flour, 10 pounds of sugar, and five large bags of rice. I don't care about the cleaning supplies. I need to be able to bake. Well, chapter 50 tells us that Jacob dies and the brothers send a message saying that their father asked for Joseph to not hold a grudge and to forgive them for treating him so badly. Verse 18 says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. Interesting that Joseph's original dream was now coming true. And Joseph's response here is the crux of the story. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what now is being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, second time he says it. I will provide for you and your children. He reassures them that they do not need to be afraid, and he asks, am I in the place of God? This answer obviously implied is being no, but the next question then is, how does God see this matter? That's what he's trying to get them to focus on. And even though you intended to harm me, God intended or used it for good. Because Joseph was saving many lives now because of the food shortage and how he had stored up so that people would have enough to eat in the famine. Now, I want to clarify something that I do not believe it was God's plan for those brothers to harm or do evil. God never intends for anyone to act with evil intent. But God will use even our evil or sinful acts for good. But there is a difference. You see, that's the redemptive nature of God, to bring good from evil. If we can 
Trust God to take all our circumstances, good and bad, even our sinful behavior or the sinful behavior of others to bring about his good plan, then we can allow God to address the offender and not try to take revenge or right the wrong ourselves. Romans 12:19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. So Joseph also implies that God is the one who forgives. When the brothers harmed Joseph, they weren't just sinning against Joseph, they were sinning against God. They needed God's forgiveness before they could ask for Joseph's forgiveness. Now let's connect this story to our New Testament verse in Luke. Jesus says to love our enemies and to do good and to not harm them. Joseph lived that out with his brothers, but how could he do this after all that had happened to him? I think it's because he could see his life from God's point of view. He could see that God was with him in the slavery and in that prison. He saw that God worked through those circumstances to accomplish a higher purpose, which was to save the lives of all those people after showing him what Pharaoh's dream meant. He recognized God's provision and faithfulness. Could God have moved Joseph to that position another way? Of course. But God also did not let the sins of his brothers derail his plan. He used the evil to bring good. Only God can do that. That's how evil is redeemed. We don't need to be afraid of those who want to hurt us because God is sovereign. Now, I'm not talking about allowing people to physically or verbally abuse us. Please don't hear me say that. I'm talking about the everyday hurts that we all experience when someone says something hurtful, they don't mean to, maybe they do, all the different ways that we feel we have been wronged. That's what I'm talking about. You see, what I'm saying is that we are free to love and do good to our enemies because God is trustworthy. If God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, we need to be too. The teaching of Jesus is based on the stories of the Old Testament. They are the foundation for everything, again, that Jesus taught. This last verse said, Joseph reassures and spoke kindly to his brothers, even after all the heartache they caused. So the question is, where do you see yourself in Joseph's story? Are you jealous of someone or have thoughts of revenge? I know that when I find myself being jealous, it's because I don't trust God for the plan he has for my life. I think somebody else's looks a lot better. Can you look back over the difficulties of your life and say, God intended all of it for good to accomplish what is being done now? It's easy to be bitter and not see how God has worked through those difficulties. 
Many times it's so that you can help someone else with the same difficulties. And last, who do you need to forgive? Are you holding a grudge? Maybe nobody knows about it but you and God. Pray for the grace to extend forgiveness when it just seems impossible. As I look back over my life, I can honestly say that I would not trade any, and I've had a lot, of the challenges I have experienced because I can see how God used those to shape me and accomplish his work. And I hope you can say that too. Redemption and forgiveness is the story of God all through the Old Testament, and it is ultimately fulfilled in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. He came to redeem or make good what was evil, our sin, and then to forgive and reconcile, which is what he did with his work on the cross. God's story is Joseph's story, and now it can be our story. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign over all circumstances, good and evil. The story of Joseph is a story of redemption, and we ask that our story would be redeemed so that your intended purpose for us would come to pass. Give us eyes to see our hatred of others, no matter how overt or subtle, so that we could love not just our friends, but also those that we perceive as our enemies. May we see your presence and trust in your plan for our life today. And may we be like Joseph and allow you to work through us to redeem and forgive. We pray this in your name. Amen.